Hi there, this is Emily Richardson, and welcome to Trashbox, a real housewives podcast. Usually, you'd have Marshall Lorenzo chiming in right about now, but unfortunately, due to scheduling fuckery, really, and the fact that I'm in Toronto and he's in New Zealand, this week could not work, so I'm on my own. That's right, I'm Danny Pellegrino-ing. And am I scared to do this on my own? You bet your bottom dollar. But it'll be fun. And you know what? I won't be interrupting Marshall. He won't be interrupting me because that's unavoidable during Zoom. So let's just do this weird stream of consciousness thing. And hopefully it's just a one-off. I miss him already. Okay. So I was so excited about the episode of Beverly Hills from this week because it teased that this was the big reveal. They were finally going to talk about the divorce. But they didn't. They did that bullshit thing that Bravo does where they give you a teeny little thing at the end and then it's to be continued. So there really wasn't any Erica Girardi stuff going on. We'll get into that later, but I also want to go over the actual documentary. We kind of talked about it last week, but we really didn't get into it because it hadn't been released yet. So we couldn't like share spoilers. So let's dive in this week. But first, before anything... And we will get to New York, don't you worry, even though it was kind of a boring episode. Uh, Before anything, let's talk about The Real Housewives of Orange County. I didn't watch it last season. Marshall did. I didn't watch it. I got to like episode four or five and I was like, this Elizabeth woman is doing nothing for me. I'm tired of Bronwyn's tears. I hate Kelly Dodd. And I'm going to be real here and I'm going to say some shameful things here. I used to love Kelly Dodd. I used to get stoned and literally take my iPhone and record video of clips of her on the show and put it on my Instagram story and say, LOL, isn't this woman exactly like me? All of the dumb tricks and the dad jokes and the flicking your finger up at somebody's nose. That's me. (sighs) She took a turn for the worse. So um, I hate her. I hate writing about her for delisted. She literally said that coronavirus is God's way of thinning the herd. So uh, yeah, I I didn't watch the last season. I didn't care. But now she's gone. And so is Bronwyn Windenburg. And so is Elizabeth. I literally did not know you at all, Elizabeth. Bye. Um, And we're keeping Shannon, who has managed to survive yet again. And we're keeping Emily, who I like, even though I'm pretty sure she's a Republican. And we're keeping Gina, who I have this strange love for. I don't know what it is. It might be her funny little voice or the fact that she's gone through so much and she really lays it all out on camera. Basically the opposite of anything on Beverly Hills. But I, I like Gina. She's she's sweet and, and maybe stupid, but she's still sweet. Um, So uh, I'm willing to give it another shot, I think. What do I think about Heather Dubrow coming back? I don't really. I was never a huge fan of Heather Dubrow. Everything she does is very performative. She belongs more on a Beverly Hills franchise. Uh, I didn't mind Terry. (laughs) Although, have you seen what Terry's done to his face? I mean, obviously he's done something to his face, being that he's a plastic surgeon. But it's as smooth as a baby's ass. And it's like puffy. You just don't see that as much with men. It's it's very Liberace-esque. And I'm reading a lot of comments online that say stuff like, well, I can't wait to see Heather's house. I can't wait to see the house because the house was under construction for so many years. But I don't really give a shit, you know? 
I, I've seen the house. I've seen the pictures online. It looks like a prison. It is bare and stone and there's nothing going on. It's huge. I would hate to live in that house. I feel like I would die of tuberculosis in that house. Tubercul- tubercul- tuberculosis. TB. TB. That's a TB house for sure. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Maybe it's a great house. I'm not one for real estate porn or anything. Like I have a lot of junk corners in my home. And I mean, I don't think I have bad style. No one thinks they have bad style. But a lot of the signs point to I have bad style. Because I must admit, when Kyle initially walked into Sutton's Parisian luncheon, wearing that floofy, big, (laughs) puffy-sleeved, navy Parisian dress, my first reaction was, Oh my God, that is so cute. Like I literally said it out loud to my partner. I would wear that. Then later I go online and people are like, we hate that dress. That's an ugly fucking dress. That's a fugly dress. (sighs) I really thought it was cute. I didn't know. Anyway, we'll get into all the stupid dress hijinks when we do Beverly Hills. But before that, I do want to talk a little bit about the Erica Jane Girardi documentary. First off, Danielle Staub, what is going on with her hair? That was terrible. When she walked in, I didn't even recognize it was Danielle Staub. Because say what you want about Danielle, she's not an ugly woman, I don't think. That hair, on the other hand, very ugly. Hardly recognized her. Orange is not her color. Sorry. Sorry. I also really enjoyed Danielle, who any opportunity given to Danielle, she's going to take it. Too bad she burnt her Bravo bridges. Or maybe it is good she burnt her Bravo bridges because now we get content like this. Now she is free as a bird to share her psychotic, frankly, psychotic opinions with the world. Um, I really enjoyed how she said about Erica. And I like how even though she can't hold a tune, she sang. <laughs> so it's such a backhanded compliment. Like, I really salute her bravery in being completely untalented, but still putting herself out there. And then there's mention of how they both worked at the Shakers Lounge in Jersey. And then Danielle hits us with this gem. She is a quotation queen, this one. She says, she was very good casting. She was probably the best since me. I mean, where do you get that ego. I think there's Teresa ego, which is like pure dumb. And then there's someone like Danielle Staub, who is Machiavellian. And and does she buy her own bullshit or is it part performance? I don't know. But I am fascinated as to whether this woman has a therapist. I don't think so. I think if you're that narcissistic, I don't think you could handle a therapist calling you on any kind of shit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna err on the side of no way. It's funny though, when now when we're talking about Machiavellian and evil, my mind goes to Erica because what the fuck? These charges are fucked. Like it's one thing to read it in that there was like a really good LA Times profile from a few months ago that detailed exactly what Tom did and detailed his victims. And I was, you know, I was horrified, blah, blah, blah. But there's something different about seeing these real people that look like people you know, look like your family and your friends. People who have gone through unbelievable tragedies and who were owed money. I'm watching, um, remember that show Airline on A&E where they would, it was like a reality show that was set at an airport and it just showed, you know, drama going on at the airport. America, I feel, is a very like trigger happy country. Yes, with guns, but also with like suing and litigation. Because if something bad happened to me, my mind would never go to suing somebody. But 
every two seconds on the show airline, like they'll miss their flight. They will be an hour late for their flight. And they're like, that's it. I'm suing Southwest Airlines. That kind of suing is fucking bullshit. But the kind of suing that Tom Girardi's victims were doing is completely correct because their lives have been ruined or at least almost ruined. Like that poor Joe burns on 90% of his body. He lost his girlfriend. It's terrible. All because a big corporation fucked up. And to think that somebody like Tom was skulking in his hospital room, not wanting to help him, not wanting to help the victim, but he wanting to help himself, knowing he'll get a big payout from that. It's absolutely disgusting. That's that's the word that I that kept running through my head throughout watching the documentary. This is disgusting. And the voicemails and, and calling calling the guy a young man and acting like he's this like fatherly or you know more grandfatherly because he's super fucking old figure. Oh, speaking of though, that old interview of Tom where it was the late '90s and he's having that interview on ABC about the Aaron Brockovich case. He wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. He's a little guy, but he he wasn't bad. I could see if you're Erica and you're a waitress who wants to be a gold digger, I could see that's a very good option. But the question is, did she know about the stealing of the money from the clients? I think she probably did. I think she knew. I think that's what the documentary's suggesting. Do you guys read Brian Moylan's recap? Moylan or Molan? I don't know. Anyway, I'm a big fan of Brian's. He was the one who wrote Erica's biography from a few years ago. Um, and he has a cute little mustache. And... He also wrote the Real Housewives book that just came out. Now, I was curious to hear Brian's opinion on the Erica thing, because ever since he wrote her bio, he's kind of been notoriously kind to her in the Vulture recaps of the Beverly Hills episodes, which has been discussed in great detail on Reddit. I'm a huge fan of Reddit. So people are saying there's a conflict of interest. And if you're going to recap these episodes, you need to be like pro snark. And not have a conflict of interest. I'll say for D-listed, when I write for D-listed, I'll never write shit about Ross Matthews because one time we talked on messages and he was really sweet. He's a sweetie baby. I'm never going to talk shit about him. Um, So I would never put myself in that position as a journalist. So I was curious to see what Brian said about Erica after all this, all this came out because it's not a good look. Well, this is what he said. He said he thinks she's innocent, but time will tell what she reveals to the public, and hopefully she'll come out with a tell-all in the future and he can write it for her. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, one day I'd love to have Brian on the show, so I sure as fuck hope he doesn't ever listen to this because I do like him, but I did not like that answer. It kind of reminds me of Andy Cohen on Watch What Happens Live. He keeps saying stuff like, well, she's going to go there. She's going to go there. And it's, it's giving her too much of the benefit of the doubt it's, it's painting her as the victim. It's making this actual disgusting crime more of like a fun scandal. And like, I get it. We're watching the real housewives here. But this is serious, dark shit. Is there a fun element to it? A little. But the fun, I think, is in Erica's downfall. It's in evil being defeated. It's not in her snaking her way out of any kind of punishment, you know? So it really does frustrate me that I know we're not going to get the real story. Not the real truth. Not the real truth. I really wish that Erica would get a liar, liar curse on her this season. 
Because as much as Andy says she's going to go there, she's going to go there, she's not. She's going to lie. She's going to lie. She's going to lie. She's going to go there. She might give us an inch, but I think that inch will be nothing worse than I turned a blind eye the odd time because I loved him so much or some bullshit. Okay, moving on. Let's just get into Beverly Hills. It started in media res styles, which is, you know, start right in the middle of the action and then go back. And I wasn't surprised that they didn't give us anything this week. This is classic housewives, whatever. But the actual episode itself wasn't bad. So basically, Bob, get up, get down from here, Bobby. My cat's on my table. Bobby. Bob, that's the microphone. Stop that. Okay, so basically we start with the, the housewife's initial reaction to the news of the divorce. Kyle's kind of the only one who's like, oh, I'm not that surprised. Uh, if you look at the relationship, yeah, if you look at the relationship, he's 12,000 years older than her. She's clearly a gold digger. I've never detected any real chemistry, especially of the sexual kind. Um, I mean, he, it's always kind of seemed like a dad thing to me. And, and I know that's such an easy answer. A woman whose dad abandoned her, she marries an older man. It's got to be daddy issues. But it's daddy issues. Like even last year when she told him she was going to star in Chicago and she started crying and he said he was proud of her. It was weird. It was like a dad congratulating his daughter. Um, so we don't get a ton of other reactions to the divorce. I fucking died when Garcelle <laughs> at the end of the episode said, well, why couldn't she wait? And these women did this funny thing where they kind of either didn't get it or pretended they didn't get it because they're oh so proper. Um, give me a break. Everybody knew what she meant, I'm pretty sure. And I love the Sutton confessional where she says, hey, people live a really long time. And you know what, Sutton? I agree. Uh, of all the people to live to 100, it would be that scumbag Tom Girardi. I wouldn't put it past him. So, you know, at the time, these women did not know all of these allegations had come out about Tom stealing all the money. So obviously Garcelle's reaction was very gold digger based. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Because she said, we were all thinking, and you know what? They're probably going to go to the reunion and that will be brought up. And Lisa Rinna will be like, oh, that was really tacky and whatever. Fuck right off. Uh, because at the time we did not technically know about these allegations. There were rumors. Well, there was facts about lawsuits and rumors within those. But um, yeah, nothing, nothing to the extent of uh, what we got. Because if I remember correctly, the Erica stuff went in this order. It was they're getting a divorce, shocker of all shockers, on election day. We're trying to bury it. Um, then we had, are they trying to embezzle money out of their divorce? Because there was rumors of financial scamming via the divorce online. And then we had what the lawsuits are actually about. Because we, I don't think we got it then. Or maybe we, maybe we did, but I, I wasn't paying attention. But Erica had to know what was going on, of course. So for her to walk into this party and be like, oh, I'm facing the world. I'm so brave in her little outfit in full glam. It just made me roll my eyes. And is it going to be fun television next week? Hopefully. But again, I don't buy it. I simply don't buy it. I do not purchase her brand of bullshit. I don't think I purchase any of these women's brand of bullshit, except, you know what? This is a great segue to get out of the Erica stuff because it's making me angry. Crystal Hung Minkoff. I am a fan. This is like, this is a bad bitch, you know? Like, that's a real bad bitch. I'm not talking about Erica's coldness and meanness. I'm talking about somebody who is 
honest, I don't know, I don't know how honest Crystal is. Who knows? Maybe she's a, maybe she's a total bullshitter because guess what? I liked Erica at first too. But, but Crystal seems to know herself. She seems to show all sides of herself. She seems strong. She seems confident. I'm just a big fan and I really gotta give her kudos for talking about her eating disorder so early on in her journey and not as a way to get attention or sympathy because as sad as, as sad as it is that Lisa Rinna's daughter, Amelia Gray, suffered from an eating disorder, the way Lisa handled it on the show was very icky, I thought. It was, look, at this is my plot this season. This is my plot. I'm not getting that from Crystal at all. Also, a giant LOL at, after um, they, talk, they talked about the bulimia at the election party, Lisa goes up to... Crystal makes it about her daughter, blah, blah, blah. Well, that, that was to be expected. And I don't really hold that against her too much. But she kept bowing. She kept bowing. Lisa Rinna kept being like, thank you so much. That's so brave. And she kept bowing. And I was a little miffed. I think what's happening is Lisa smells a fan favorite. And she's like, I'm going to get on her side. I'm going to get on her side. Because um, I really like her. And I like her husband. Uh, I was texting about this with Marshall. And he was saying that he thought he was boring. I think he's nice. I think he's cute. I mean, am I still a little bit, ugh, but she was like 20 when they started dating and he was 40. Oh, puh. But he's rich as shit. They seem like real rich. I mean, that $95,000 purse. My God. Honestly, if you had told me that was a $500 purse from Aldo, I'd have said, oh, wow, that's expensive. Like, give me a break, $95,000. Whatever. Not for me, but obviously that's something that people care about. And the editors did a good job of cutting between Kyle's face and that purse back and forth. That was some good comedy. That was the comedy, the kind of comedy I want more in this uh, Beverly Hills show, because that's what we want, right? We want the glam and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not going to go full Marxist here when I'm watching the real housewives of Beverly Hills. You want your $95,000 purse? Great. You're on the right show. Crystal Kung Minkoff is on the right show. I think that her and Kathy are great additions and they um they add this like fresh new flavor to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which really sucked last year, let's be real. And it's I didn't really think it was like an LVP leaving thing either because I've never been a huge LVP fan. It's the same with Dorinda. Like people are saying this season seems off of New York because Dorinda is gone. And I get that, but I think they're also talking about a version of Dorinda that is long gone. I was re-watching some of the New York episodes this week. The ones, I'm like, I was really busy this week. But rather than, you know, focus on my work, I decided to re-watch the episodes when Lou first gets engaged. And then um, Bethany telling her about the cheating when they go to Miami. And Dorinda was great. She was awesome. Was she a bit of a mess? Yes. Was she sometimes mean? For sure. Was John Medesi and Gross? thousand percent but she was still fun and she still brought this fresh energy the dorinda we saw last year why am i talking about dorinda in the middle of a beverly hills recap that's the power of dorinda but the dorinda we saw last year was cruel and mean and i kind of felt that same energy from lisa vanderpump near the end too um and so i'm glad that we're getting this new generation of housewives speaking of new housewives and i'm going to do another tangent here this headline killed me. If you have not heard this, oh my God. Apparently this week, Jen Shaw attempted to get the charges against her dismissed 
by using the excuse that the only reason she signed her Miranda rights away upon arrest was because her contacts were dry and she wasn't wearing reading glasses. So she's saying in her defense that she (laughs) couldn't read her rights. Therefore, all of the charges against her are dismissed. Absolutely goddamn ridiculous. God bless her ridiculous mind. I'm quite looking forward to the Salt Lake City episodes with Jen because I think the difference between how Jen and how Erica are going to deal with this, both are going to deny, deny, deny. The difference is Jen is way messier and can't control it. And she drinks. That's nice. I mean, it's not nice if she has an alcohol problem, but what's going to happen is she's going to get messy and things are going to come out. And both of these fools are idiots for continuing to stay on these shows because as mentioned in the documentary about Erica, there is somebody on the side of the prosecution against the Girardis who is taking notes of everything that shows up in this season in her closet, everything she's saying. And obviously Erica doesn't care that much because she's still doing the show. And I think this is because she thinks she is indestructible, untouchable, above the law because of her wealth, because of who she is. I don't know who Erica is. I don't know why she's earned this this belief that she is better than other people. It kind of reminds me of that affluenza thing. Remember that guy a few years ago who in Texas, he, um, he was like a 16-year-old boy and he was a rich kid and he'd never dealt with any kinds of consequences or punishments. He killed, I think like Six, three, three people and an and injured six uh, driving high and drunk. And he showed no remorse. And his lawyers argued that he was a victim of affluenza, which is not a real thing, but they made it up. And it is a rich person who has never been taught that there are repercussions to actions. And I don't think Erica has this because she was, you know, raised I think lower middle class or something, but obviously she has a very high opinion of herself. I don't know why I got back to Erica. I don't even get it. But yeah. Oh, Jen Shaw. Jen Shaw. Oh, I am looking forward to, (laughs) I am looking forward to Salt Lake City. I really liked it. Okay. What else do I have to say about this Beverly Hills episode? I have Lisa Rinna bowing at Crystal. I thought that was strange. The $95,000 purse. Oh, oh, duh. The actual quote-unquote drama of the episode, which was Dorit versus Kyle. Okay, so I'm of two minds about this. Dorit doesn't shut the fuck up. Dorit talks a lot. That being said, I talk a lot. I like to think I'm better than Dorit in the sense of I try to get to my point. On the flip side, Kyle, Kyle got snapped at and Kyle cried. What else is new? You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, it's hard to say because I've interrupted friends before. And I've done it knowingly because I can see the crowd, and I'm saying crowd like, you know, our friends, getting bored. I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to push them along. Obviously, there's more to it than just interrupting and snapping. I think that Dorit and Kyle have this weird competitive relationship that probably goes back to when they both wanted to be LVP's number one pet. I'd say my main issues and why I'm Team Dorit, twist, is because of how the actual, um, their confrontation went down on the election night party. I hated that Kyle said, if you want to be my friend, never talk to me that way again. Like, you're not standing up to your abuser, Kyle. That is an incredibly dramatic, accusatory thing to say and tone. What she should have said is, listen, it hurts my feelings when you talk this way. It's as simple as that, right? 
And I, and I also think that there's, they have like a sisterly thing, you know? And I've had that with friends where you, everything's a little trigger and everything seems so personal. But th- these ultimatums, they're, they don't work in a friendship, especially a fucking Real Housewives friendship to say, never speak to me that way again. Calm down. Uh, Dorit left early and she was pissed and she took lovely PK with her. Guys, what's happening? What the fuck is happening? I used to hate Dorit with a fiery passion. Team Erica uh, hated Dorit. What? And now these two scam artists, I'm a big fan because they are weirdos and, and, and their scams are so apparent. You know what I mean? Like it's clear they're scammers and let's just go along for the ride. Also, who are they fucking over? Big banks? Yeah, they're not fucking over Thai orphans. This is the difference, my friends. Also, I suppose we should talk about the fashion. Everyone seemed to be like, Doreen's dressed like a leprechaun. Okay. I actually really liked her her little matchy-matchy set. Very clueless, obviously. I mean, how could you not think that? Um, I thought it was cute. I kind of get what she was going for patriotically. Maybe I'm grasping at straws here because now I'm suddenly like Dorit's number one fan. But I thought it was very like, I'm going to fight for that bill in Congress. Uh, like that was the style I feel like she was going for. And you know what? I'd rather that than a hit you over the head, red, white, and blue. I, I just think it's weird, though, that both franchises this week, both are kind of synced up or whatever, that we had election parties. Because I don't know why. And I've seen this a lot online. I saw saw them talking about it on Watch What Happens Live. Why would you want to, like, go and, like, have jigs and have fun? It was a pandemic year. That election was hell. And they didn't even really show any political talk. I mean, a little bit more in New York. But the whole thing was strange. We got some house husbands. We got some PK. I'm never going to hate some PK because he's such a silly man. And I want him on my television. I like Crystal's husband, director of The Lion King. And, uh, you know, I love a I love a good stoned Maurizio. Maurizio. Maurice, as Kim would say. We didn't get a ton of Kathy Hilton this episode. We had her a little bit when she went to Sutton's store. She was like, what's this door? Is that desk supposed to be there? I don't like that desk there. Move that desk. Just the confidence on this one. Um, we had a really dumbass, one of those car car scenes where <laughs> Sutton wants a really fancy car, $380,000. And Garcelle asks the price of the car. And Sutton does that rich lady face where you're like, you're not supposed to ask. Hello, you're shopping for a car. I think the price is kind of the point here. Um, And finally, we get to the end of the episode, which is the Parisian luncheon. And Sutton acted like a goddamn maniac. She was like hurling verbal abuse at staff beforehand, saying it looked too much like a wedding. She's a nightmare, you guys. I don't know what I was thinking by loving her so strongly last year. I do still appreciate her as a character, but I don't think her nerves can take reality for much longer, to be honest. And by reality, I mean reality television. Although, to be honest, maybe she can't take reality either. I don't know. I don't know. Um, then we get, again, the, the, the dress I liked, the, the um, Kyle's poofy sleeve dress. And then Rena comes in and she's wearing it too. That's fucking bullshit, you guys. I think it's bullshit. I think Rena finds these things out. And she tries to get herself a cute Instagram picture and a, and a tiny little C-plot on the episode. Or at least a run. You know what I mean? I think it's baloney. I think it's boring. I mean, I'm sorry. I have like literally eight outfits because I'm broke and I very rarely see any of my outfits on anybody else. These women have hundreds of outfits. How are we getting overlapped in any damn way? So I think that's baloney. Then Erica walks in to be continued. So that's my Beverly Hills recap. Wow. It is really weird recapping without Marshall. 
It really is strange. You know what? If you don't like this, don't tell me. Okay? Because that's going to break my heart. All right? We'll have Marshall back next week. If you don't like it, just don't say anything. Okay? Uh, Great. I suppose it's time for New York, which was a snore this week. It was so boring. Not a lot happened. Um, The bus drama with Heather was kind of tied up neatly. I can't stand Heather, but I think she handled it pretty well. She just kind of let her roll off her back. And I don't know how I feel about Leah, you guys. I don't know. I mean, you know, I loved her last year. Um, You know, her dad is one of the podcast's biggest fans without actually listening to it. He just likes every one of our posts on Instagram. But she's just trying too hard. And I get that she was losing a grandparent, but... I don't know. Maybe, you know what? I'm going to say an asshole thing, but just go to your grandmother. She's dying. Go. Stop making this trip hellscape-esque and just go to your grandmother. Who's stopping you? I get, you know what? I'm being a bitch. I'm being a bitch. Um, I just, it was, it was the excuse for all the bad behavior that week. And I just thought you should go. And then she missed it. And that's very sad. But there was this little, this little part of me that was like, why didn't, why didn't you go? I mean, I, I think at the end, it's probably a good thing that she didn't see her grandmother super sick. And I don't think Leah's presence at her grandmother's deathbed would have made a difference to her grandmother. But if that's what she wanted, I don't know. I mean, she was also talking about like, well, if I went now, there'd be a lineup. Um, and I get that it's COVID, but the whole thing <laughs> it was wild. But it did bring us a Ramona reaction. You gotta love Ramona getting the text, dropping the phone dramatically and doing that fake cry face where no tears are squeezed out of that woman's silicone eyes. Yes, even her eyes are silicone. No tears are shed, but uh, oh my god, I can't, I can't. Oh, just pure comedy, this woman. Um, Then we have this really weird, before that, we have this really weird pageant thing, which is in front of like three gay men and Lou's daughter and niece. Lou and Ramona, like, look fucking amazing. I want to look like that when I'm old. I know I won't. I'm not. I'm actually going to look like the professor in Harry Potter, the one, the uh, flute snoot or, or flute snoot. What's that? No, who's like Professor Sprout. You know, that little lady with like the wild hair. She's probably like 45 in real life, but she just, you know, looks way older. I think she's a famous actress, but I just don't feel like looking it up. Um, yeah, they look amazing, but you know what? They were, they were always banging hot. Uh, so this is a bonkers ceremony of sorts. Wan's doing the baton. <laughs> Ramona is is doing push-ups. Uh, Leah is doing the hula hoops terribly, which makes her win all the less deserving. Heather does be aggressive, be, be aggressive. And Leah's like, where did she get that? And it's like, Leah, calm down. That's a cheer everybody knows. Now you're just picking it poor Heather, even though I'm not team Heather, for the record. Fuck Heather. Uh, Ebony does a spoken word. Sonia does miming. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think mime Sonia should have win because that's commitment. And she looked like an idiot. And I love that. Takes a lot of guts to look like a stupid idiot. You know, um, Leah then winning and then apologizing on the mic and wrapping up her storyline is again, weird. And I'm sorry to say it, but a little Rinna-esque. You know what I mean? Like, here I am, the producer. Guys, I'm going to get on the mic and officially apologize for my bad behavior. My turn as a villain, this last three episodes, is officially over. Uh, we talk a little bit about the microaggression thing from last week with Heather and the articulate thing. And goddamn, Ebony is patient with this stuff. 
She's so patient, which is why when Lou said, you have to be patient with me last week, it was so maddening and good for Ebony for being like, um, I am very patient. Finally, we go back to New York and I miss New York. I really do. Even though it's still COVID, it was around Halloween, right? And I feel like at least in Toronto, people were kind of fast and loose with the rules last summer because the numbers were down. Uh, so I'm going to guess that they're going to be out more. It's going to be less isolated, hopefully. I mean, not hopefully for like the health of America and, and COVID patients of New York, but luckily for the viewers who want to see some shit go down. Um, I like Sonia reusing the envelopes. That's such a classic move. Ramona is becoming a real estate agent. So we've mentioned Demois on this show a bunch, that kind of like blind item gossip Instagram site, page, posty thing, whatever. And there was a blind item last year. I don't even know why it has to be blind because who really gives a fuck? But apparently <laughs> it said that Ramona thought she was going to get fired from the show because again, um, Ramona's getting a pretty good edit this season. But remember the end of last season with all the COVID denying and stuff? It was not good. So Ramona saw Dorinda go down and thought, shit, I better get a backup gig while I still can um, and got into real estate because God forbid she loses her main source of income. I'm still a little confused as to why Ramona is rich. I think her family had money, but like, did Mario have money? Like that true faith thing couldn't have done her that well, did it? I don't know. Does true faith still exist? Anyway, she's trying to become a real estate agent and they're talking about politically correct language and things that are now considered offensive because they are. And, <laughs> and you know, she's trying. She's, you know, she's getting there. Uh, and then she blows it with this. You know, he, the guy says no master bedroom, no his and hers, all of this stuff, very heteronormative things. Uh, and then he goes, and, and for example, if um, a house is beside Central Park, you can't say it steps to the park. And actually, I didn't even get this one at first. So I was like, oh, why not? Because it's not actually in the park. No, because it's uh, ableist language. Um, <laughs> but Ramona, her response is, yeah, because of invalids. Invalids. Like this woman was born during polio times. Oh, my God. And the real poor real estate agent. I don't even know who this guy is. Is he supposed to be famous or something? Uh, I don't watch the um, Bravo real estate shows, but he, he, feel, he it felt like a bit of a crossover. I don't know who he was, though. Uh, he his face was just like the meme of like the circle mouth and the circle eyes and just duh. Oof. then we get more boxing guys I'm over it I'm over Martin in the boxing also why did he vote with Leah and why did he say vote for Tinsdale <laughs> what like I guess I appreciate the callback I'm, I'm not gonna hate it I didn't enjoy when he called Tinsley Tinsdale that was fun it's fun when people screw up like, I find a lot of the humor from these shows comes from, and I'm going to fuck this word up, and I always fuck this word up, malapropism, malap, malaproprisms, malaprisms, I don't know. But, you know, the word where it's unintentional humor because you kind of say things wrong or, you know what, maybe that's not even the meaning of the word. Maybe I'm malaproprising as we speak. Anyway, I don't have tons to say about this episode. We have the election party. It's with Ebony's friend, was it? Um, who just seems stunned by the whole thing. Uh, Lou shows up in the JFK mask, which is definitely an improvement over um, her Diana Ross costume, for sure. Uh, go JFK in the future. Sonia gets kind of 
drunk. Okay, so we had a guest on here, um, David Yontef, who said he'd gotten wasted with Sonia one time. And I asked how many cocktails had Sonia had, and I expected something like 12, right? Uh, but she's a little woman, I'm sure. Uh, and he's like, oh, at least four or five. And I was like, what? And he said that she was loaded. So either she has a very low tolerance, which I think is probably true. Or we're getting that water pill special thing where she's on some pills and they're not water. Where she just cannot hold her alcohol or she's on antidepressants and it's a mental thing. Like when I first got on Zoloft in my, in my early 20s, I blacked out every time I drank. So I don't know if something's going on there, but yeah, Sonia got wasted. And I can understand why that would be so much fun to hang out with if you're like partying. But if it's fucking election night and I'm like waiting to see if Donald Trump got in, I'd be like, oh, honey, you need to go or I'm going to punch you. <laughs> I love her. I do love her. And I do believe that she needs to be treated better. But also we're talking about a reality show where she's getting treated like shit by people who treat everybody like shit. And that's Luann. And, and Ramona. Um, so I don't know if that's going to happen, especially because they've gotten into this. I had this old therapist that would call these relationship patterns we get into the dance, this never ending dance. And we've, we've learned the step for 30 years. We've learned the steps for 30 years. We all know the choreo and it's hard to break out of that choreo. Uh, and it's hard to change the patterns and, and the triggers and the little things in our relationships. So, you know, Dorit and Kyle have a dance they do. And, Ramona and Sonia have a dance they do, and so does Sonia and Luann and Luann and Ramona and Dorinda and Balloons. Uh, we all have a dance. Um, and I don't think like Sonia made a fool of herself at the party by any means. Not certainly not by Sonia's standards after that Hamptons trip. I mean we the Hamptons trip was so long I forgot about the Wells Fargo, that's family moment. That's how long this fucking thing was. I don't really have anything else to say about the election party. Leah was weird again. We are getting weird, Leah. I love how this woman lost her grandmother. And maybe this is just grief. And I'm like, oh, she's weird. But like online, like a lot of everybody is just like coming for her and saying she's ruining the show. Like I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go so far as to say she's ruining the show. I think the vibe's definitely off. And I wish they had like, honestly, like I said, I was watching season eight. There were seven of seven of them. I think there were seven of them. <gasps> Guys, those were the Jules Weinstein years. And that's a fun fact about me that I loved Jules. And I thought Bethany and Carol were so mean to her about her eating disorder. And I thought I was pretty rich coming from Bethany, who, you know, her whole thing is skinny girl. I just, <laughs> I miss Jules. Apparently she lives in Florida now and she finally settled her divorce with her husband. Uh, Bob, what is it? Oh, the cat got excited about Jules living in Florida. Um, and after like, there were all these crazy assault allegations and that Jules was on drugs uh, and she just got full custody of her kids after like four years of negotiating with her husband. And, and I don't think she got that much money. That guy was a creep. I did not like that guy. And then Bethany was, I don't know why I'm rehashing this old drama. I mean, this is what happens when Marshall's not here, you know, when you don't have someone to bounce off of. I don't know how people do this every week. I'm going nuts here. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to edit this. I hate the sound of my voice. Apparently, I'm shrill and abrasive, I've been told. Which is partly sexist, maybe a little bit true. And maybe we'll just, you know, rejig that abrasive into confident, outgoing, a little loud, you know? 
She's a woman on the go. She's got to speak her truth. She has a podcast because there was a pandemic. Would she have a podcast if there hadn't been a pandemic? Likely not, you know? Like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do when real life gets back to normal. Like, I used to party a lot, I feel. I used to go out every night. But since the pandemic, I obviously I don't do that. I don't have the opportunity. But also, I really don't drink. Um, And that's, I guess, good. Because, you know, look at Sonia, right? Look at Dorinda. Look at Kim Richards. Look at most of these people. Uh, look at Jen Shaw. Look at, I mean, look at Luann goddamn Dilla, goddamn Dillaseps. Luann goddamn Dillaseps. Thank you for listening this week. I really do appreciate it. Next week, our beloved Marshall will be back uh, with his smooth voice. I really have found uh, editing these podcasts that Marshall has such a beautiful, smooth voice. Much smoother. I could talk smooth too, but I'd have to like, play a little character and it feels like I'm trying to be Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct even though I've never seen that movie thanks for listening this week guys um uh, things next week look a little bit more entertaining especially on the New York side with uh Ebony versus Ramona I yeah like I, I love how like Ramona says invalid in this episode but I'm like she's learning she's getting better and I think it's all gonna go to shit next week as for Erica (laughs) I don't know. I I, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to be digging my nails into the palms of my hands while she griffs her way out of this. And I know at the reunion, Andy is going to give her a couple hardball questions, a la an Oprah interview, but in the end, you know, act like she is forgiven. I really hope she doesn't come back next year. I really like Crystal. Well, okay. Thanks so much for listening. Have a lovely... Father's Day? I don't fucking know. Father's Day. Um, great. Bye-bye.